Psalm 19, which is on page 552 of the Church Bibles. For the Director of Music, a Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So the second reading is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, and is on page 1196. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which you are able to make which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ through faith in Christ Jesus all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work thank you bethany for reading Please keep that passage open, but before we turn to it, let me pray and ask for God's help. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of the Bible, and we thank you because they are your breathed out words powerful uh, to make us wise for salvation and useful for training us 
uh, to live for you. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this evening, we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts and minds uh, to receive what you have to say to us. Um, Please, would you give us the confidence uh, to grow in uh, trusting that your word is sufficient for our lives, uh, sufficient to make us wise for salvation, sufficient to enable us to live for you, all for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lovely. Well, we now come to the final solar in our series, uh, looking at the five solars of the Reformation. Uh, Five key truths that go right to the heart of the Christian faith. Um, As you can see there, we've kind of looked at it in a slightly different order from the traditional order. However, in one sense, uh, the five solas of the Reformation can simply be described as an attempt to answer this question. How can we be right with God? And a key motivation behind the Reformation was getting back to what the Bible says in order to answer this question. How can we be right with God? Uh, The word sola uh, is Latin for alone. And over the past four weeks, we've been looking at the different alones, as it were, central to the Christian faith. And so in the first week, uh, we looked at grace alone. So that all of salvation from beginning to end is God's grace alone, a free gift. Uh, There's nothing we do to deserve or earn it. And therefore, God's grace alone is the basis for our salvation. And we saw this in the verse uh, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, For it is by grace you have been saved. A second week, we looked at Christ alone. Uh, Salvation comes by grace alone, through Christ alone. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, accomplishes the work of salvation in his life, death, and resurrection. And we saw this in uh, the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, Salvation is found in no one else. Uh, Third week, we looked at faith alone, uh, the biblical truth that we are declared right with God, not uh, through the works we do or what we do to obey God's law, but rather that we are justified through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And we saw this in Romans chapter 3, verse 24. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. If you remember that imagery, that faith is the empty hand that receives uh, what Christ alone has done for us, uh, rather than it being the quality of our faith. It's the object of our faith, uh, the Lord Jesus, that justifies us. And then last week we looked at God's glory alone. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. All the alones, grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone, all lead to God's glory alone. Because God alone is responsible for our salvation. It comes from him, through him, and therefore all glory belongs to him. I don't know if you remember that image of the hill walker who uh, reaches the summit um, and the natural response of praise at the magnificent view. As we understand God's plan of salvation for our lives, it's not meant to lead us to be proud in our knowledge. No, it's meant to, to lead us to praise God alone for all he's done. 
Uh, and this week we're finishing with Scripture alone. Uh, because Scripture alone is the decisive, supreme authority on teaching us about God's plan of salvation. How do I know I'm saved by grace alone and not works? Well, because the Bible tells me so. Uh, in fact, a, a key motivation for uh, the Reformation was to establish the centrality of God's word in the church and also in the life of the Christian. Uh, hence the rallying cry, sola scriptura, scripture alone. However, what did the Reformers mean by scripture alone? Well, I'm going to get you to discuss briefly uh, this statement. Uh, when I read the scriptures, I don't take into account how others have read it in the past. I try not to be influenced by the past traditions, denominations, or past Christians. I just get on with discovering the truth of God's word for myself. Why don't you turn to someone sat next to you, uh, discuss this for a couple of minutes, and then I'll gather us back together. Uh, Discuss what you make of the statement, sorry, for more guidance. Great, let's gather back together. Um, Let's gather back together. I hope you had good discussions. Um, uh, Keep that statement at the back of your mind. And let's unpack what the the Reformers uh, meant by Sola Scriptura. Now, uh, at the time of the Reformation, uh, the prevailing view of the church was that there were two um, equal sources of authority Uh, when it came to deciding matters of faith. Uh, This can be known as the two views. working? Yeah. So V2, uh, views tradition, church tradition, and the Bible as both equal sources of authority. So uh, we receive God's word via two means, uh, the Bible and also through church traditions, i.e. teachings of the church uh, and traditions that have been passed down orally. Uh, This was the predominant view of the medieval church before the Reformation, a view of two equal sources of authority, the church traditions and the Bible. Now, the pushback from the reformers, such as Martin Luther, was that as he read the Bible, uh, there was a contradiction 
between the teachings of scripture and church traditions, such as uh, praying for the dead and also indulgences. So hence, there was a standoff between scripture and church tradition. And when he stood before the church council to defend himself, uh, this is what Martin Luther said. Uh, Unless I'm convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Uh, Here he's basically saying that his conscience, his conscience is ultimately captive to the authority of the Bible and not the Pope or church councils. So Martin Luther and the other reformers, they chose sola scriptura, uh, scripture alone, which leads us to what the reformers meant by sola scriptura, view one. And it's this, it's tradition, church tradition is helpful, but as a lesser authority to scripture. Uh, Tradition is helpful, but as a lesser authority to scripture. Uh, This is what they meant by sola scriptura, and I suppose what most Protestant denominations practice today. So, for example, here at All Saints, we like to say the words of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, The Apostles' Creed function as an authoritative summary of the contents of scripture. However, whilst we value the creeds and the 39 articles of the Church of England... uh, The authority and the leading word in the life of our church and services is the Bible. That's why we give a a decent amount of time to uh, expand in its word and when we gather together on a Sunday or or during the week. uh, We want to hear from God's word itself. So V1, it it values tradition and, and reason, but views scripture as the supreme authority. And when we have to choose between scripture or church tradition... Scripture alone has the supreme authority. That's what sola scriptura means. Now, there is, in another sense, another view, what you might call view zero. And um, it echoes the kind of statement um, you discussed earlier. Uh, This is what you might call solo scriptura, scripture in isolation or scripture alone or only, as it were. And it's the view that scripture should be handled apart from all traditions of interpretation. Basically, you leave behind any kind of creed and church history, and you just read the Bible in in a vacuum by yourself, without any reference to tradition of interpretation. And the problem with this is that it goes against the Bible. You know, Christ has established the church with a structure of authority to be obeyed. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. And so V0 effectively ignores the authority of the church and church leaders for that matter because what matters most is the individual. This is not what the the reformers meant by sola scriptura. Uh, The reformers were fans of tradition. They valued the creeds and knowledge of uh, faithful Christian theology but they always thought it should it should never be placed on the same level as scripture. Their rallying cry was, scripture alone has the final say. And in one sense, the danger of this view is that it leads to an individualistic approach to reading the Bible. In one sense, every Christian decides for themselves what matters the most, uh, and what matters the most governs how we strongly read the scriptures. So, 
Sola Scriptura does not mean scripture in isolation. No, it means scripture is supreme over tradition and reason. So, why do we want the Bible to have the final say? Why did the reformers think it was necessary for the Bible to have the final say? Well, let's look at our passage tonight uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 14 to 17. Let me just read verse 14 for us. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Uh, Paul, the apostle, is writing to a younger minister, Timothy, um, and as he rounds off his second letter to Timothy, he encourages Timothy to continue in what he's learned and believed in. Why? Well, because of verse 15, which says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, Note, um, scripture alone can make us wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. It's not scripture only, because this would go against... um, the second half of verse 14, which says, because you know from those whom you learned it. Uh, Timothy has been taught uh, since childhood by his, his Jewish mother and grandmother who acquainted him with scripture. Uh, if you turn back a page um, to chapter 1, verse 5, left-hand column, uh, verse 5 says, I reminded you of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded it now also lives in you. Uh, There is tradition involved. Uh, Timothy has received the faith from his mother, grandmother, and also from Paul, his teacher, who's now writing this letter. I think of countless members here at All Saints or churches I've been part of who either serve or have served on children's teams uh, week in and week out, passing the faith on to the next generation. What a blessing it is for a church uh, to be able to do that, uh, to, to pass on the faith uh, to the next generation. Uh, tradition. And to those like Timothy who have received the faith from older saints, very much like us today, Paul says, continue in what you have learned. Uh, continue has that sense of remain, dwell in scripture, keep reading it, keep being taught it, because it will make you wise for salvation. Timothy has not only learned scripture, he's become convinced. His learning has has kind of developed into a full-blown faith. Scripture has made him wise for salvation. Now, what does wise for salvation mean? Well, reading scripture in and of itself won't make us wise for salvation, will it? Uh, Earlier in in this passage, in chapter 3, verse 7, Paul warns of false teachers who themselves read scripture, and instead of becoming wise for salvation, they, verse 7, it says, they're always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's partly because they use scripture to justify their ungodly desires. See, if we read scripture with the wrong attitude or without the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, we might grow in knowledge of scripture But ultimately, we'll never become wise for salvation. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? 
Uh, wise for salvation isn't merely a, a rational type of wisdom, although that's part of it. No, rather, wise for salvation means that as we read the Bible, we grow in an understanding that leads us to put our faith in Jesus. As we read the Bible, we grow in an understanding that leads us to put our faith in Jesus. As we get to grips with God's word, the Holy Spirit rubs it into our souls, into our hearts, enables us to put our faith and trust in Jesus and live for him. That's why it's a good idea to pray for the help of the Holy Spirit when we come to God's word. Uh, Pray that uh, instead of imposing our views on the Bible and what it says, uh, the Bible would impose its view on us and what it says so that we can hear what God has to say to us. So scripture alone can make us wise for salvation. Uh, God's word can point us to Jesus and our need for him. But it also, point two, can equip us for every good work. Scripture alone can equip us for every good work. Why? Well, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I think of all those, um, well, not a lot, actually, just a few, of the inclusive holidays, all-inclusive holidays I've been on. Um, and, you know, you, you get there, and you've, you've got your accommodation, and you've got your, your food, you can, all you can eat, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and drinks as well. All you have to do is kind of rock up and have fun. Enjoy yourself. Some of you are looking at me strangely. <laughs> if you've never been on one, it's, it's well worth it. Um, <laughs> if in one sense, Scripture alone can bring us to a point of saving faith in Jesus, it doesn't just stop there. And we have to kind of figure out how to, to live as Christians by ourselves. No, Scripture is all-inclusive. If we are to live for God... If we're to get to work in his kingdom, then we need the scriptures to, to continue its work in training us for every good work. That scripture alone can equip us because all scripture is God-breathed, verse 16. What the Bible says is what God says. And what God says is useful. Uh, we shouldn't pick and choose from the Bible what we want to believe because Uh, The Bible doesn't come to us as a a pick and mix, as it were. No, because all scripture is God-breathed. All of it is to be believed. All 66 books, uh, 39 books of the Old Testament, uh, 27 books of the New Testament, all of it is God's word to us. Even the awkward bits or the bits that make us kind of shudder as we read it and we think, why on earth is that story in the Bible? Uh, Paul says, all of it. Even the tricky bits are God's words to us because they're God-breathed. So we can be confident, as Paul says, that it's useful in training us in the Christian life. Uh, Verse 16 says, Scripture uh, trains us, it rebukes us, it corrects us, and, uh, sorry, it teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, and trains us in righteousness. Uh, John Stott, uh, one of the kind of well-known theologians who passed away a while ago suggest that these four phrases are arranged in two pairs, each with a negative and positive word. The first pair dealing with belief and the second with action. So if you like, the first pair, teaching and rebuking, convey the sense that scripture alone 
is supreme for what we believe, our doctrine. Because it teaches us what to believe and, and rebukes, it reproves any of our wrong beliefs. God's word has great value in shaping our minds and what we believe. Secondly, the last pair, correcting and training. It conveys a sense that scripture alone is supreme for how we live because it corrects us from ungodly living and it trains us in righteousness, how we're to live for God. And so this passage, uh, 2 Timothy 3, um, verse 14 to 16, is, is key amongst other passages in helping the reformers to develop the idea of scripture alone, a scripture supreme authority over the Christian and indeed the church. But why does this matter for us today, you might be asking? So what? How does the idea of this passage or the idea of scripture alone speak into our lives today? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus is in the wilderness and the devil kind of is tempting him, tells him to turn the stone into bread, um, to feed his hunger, and listen to what Jesus said. He says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When Jesus was tempted, he looked to God's word. It can be tempting, can't it, when things aren't going well, to to look outside the Bible for guidance. Uh, Maybe we just spend a bit more time uh, trying to figure out how to overcome certain issues in our lives or overcome a particular sin with our own wisdom. Or maybe it's a slow loss of confidence in the scriptures and the, the seemingly little relevance it has in our world or for our lives. And eventually, the, the Bible just becomes a, another source of authority in our lives as Christians. Isn't it wonderful that our Lord and Saviour, uh, Jesus, he had the confidence to live by every word of God? I think that's why Paul says in, in verse 14 of our passage this evening, continue, continue in what you have learned. Continue in God's word. Don't lose confidence in it. Continuing it, firstly, because, well, the Bible is sufficient to live by. What do I mean by that? Not that we don't need to eat or drink or sleep or exercise or that kind of stuff. Uh, No, the Bible is sufficient to live by because we don't need any other teaching or revelation. God has already spoken, and we have his words in the Bible. These are the words that will feed and nourish us where it really matters the most, our hearts. If you're here this evening and you're a new Christian, uh, let me say to you, you're never going to discover anything better than what you have in the words of the Bible. In every line, truth is found. Excuse me. If you are here this evening and wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, uh, let me encourage you to keep coming uh, to discover more about Jesus. But more importantly, keep reading his word if you've started. Everything you need to know to be saved, to be right with God, can be found in the Bible. So continue with confidence as you read God's word. It is sufficient for you. Secondly, continue with confidence because, well, the Bible is clear enough for you to understand. Speaking to us as Christians here this evening, uh, it would be a shame, wouldn't it, if 
what we needed to know to be saved or to live for God ultimately depended on the skill of our Bible teachers and pastors. It'd be a shame, wouldn't it? No, scripture is clear enough to make anyone wise for salvation. I'm not saying that every bit of scripture is equally as clear to understand. Uh, No, it's rather saying, if, for instance, as a young person, uh, you were to pick up the Bible this evening or whenever and pray to God, uh, asking God to help you see why you need to put your faith in Jesus, it will happen. The Holy Spirit will show you as you read his words, making you wise for salvation. Doesn't mean you'll understand all the doctrines of scripture. In one sense, you don't need to. You only need to know enough to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and live for him. And I suppose the clarity of scripture shapes our evangelism, doesn't it? Because, because the Bible is clear enough to make anyone wise for salvation, we're never going to have anything more powerful in our evangelism than God's word. In God's hands, the ordinary Christian, equipped with the, with the Bible, is something special. Just made me shiver there, sorry. Continue with confidence in God's word because it is sufficient for you to live by and it's crystal clear to understand. I, I think of uh, the story of the Israelites and God kind of delivering the, the Israelites from, from slavery in Egypt. Um, but once they were out, uh, we all know that it wasn't plain sailing. Uh, before they got to the promised land, there was the, the wilderness to navigate different battles and trials to fight. And all throughout, uh, it was God who protected them and provided for them. I kind of think this mirrors the kind of spiritual arc of the Christian life all throughout history. Uh, Jesus, he died on the cross. He delivers us from the slavery of sin. He buys us back. And yet there will be ongoing struggles in the Christian life with sin as we, as we journey through this world, this life, awaiting our final home. Uh, the trials, the wilderness, the battles of various kinds. And yet, isn't it wonderful that we can take comfort in a God who, who doesn't just save us, but he sustains us right through till the end. He will deliver us to that promised land. Uh, in John chapter 6, verse 39, Jesus has these wonderful words of reassurance to those who follow him. He says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of, the, none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at that last day. If there's anything you've picked out or picked up through this series, I hope it's been to see the sheer grace and awesomeness of God and all that he's done for us. He, he made us, he saves us, And he sustains us till the end. Those who belong to Jesus will never be lost. And we know that because it's in our Bibles. The Bible reassures us. So continue with confidence as you read it. God's plan of salvation is is fully comprehensive, all-inclusive. And that's what keeps us going in the Christian life. He's grace. So if there's one thing in our series, uh, in the solos, that we should be left with 
I guess ultimately it's not confidence in ourselves and what we can do, but rather confidence in a gracious God who always sustains us. He's our only hope in life, death. And to that end, to God be the glory forever. Amen. And let me close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your plan of salvation, uh, for these great truths uh, rediscovered at the Reformation. Uh, We thank you for your grace, uh, which is the basis of our salvation. We thank you for sending the Lord Jesus to accomplish this work of salvation on our behalf. We thank you for the gift of faith which enables us to receive all that the Lord has done for us. And we pray that you would help us to live as people who have received your grace and mercy in our lives so that we can live for your praise and glory. And we ask that you would shape not just our heads, but also our hearts uh, with these deep and wonderful truths found in your word. And we thank you for your grace which saves us and will sustain us till that glorious day when the Lord Jesus returns. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.